Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Every Sunday, we continue our celebration of food and the role that it plays in our lives. Tune in to explore everything like the culture, the science, the history, the backstories, and the deeper meanings that come together every time people sit down to enjoy a meal. This is a place for people who love to eat, and it's my goal to make your dishes come alive with flavor. I talk food, health, wellness, wine, cocktails, trends, tech, a little fitness, and more to fuel your hunger and satiate your soul. So I do hope you'll stay tuned for the full hour because there is delicious conversation in your radio. If you've missed a show, you can find podcasts on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Going back years and years, in fact, it's been my privilege to share my passion on the radio, making this my 16th year. And my website at chefjamie.com will guaranteed make you a better cook. Please do follow on social as well at Chef Jamie Gwen on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And with all that said, let's dig in, shall we? Let's talk about butter today. Butter is the most prized cooking fat, in my opinion, because its delicious flavor and its rich, creamy mouthfeel give it that uh, hard to compare to really anything else goodness. And nothing can substitute for great flavor and mouthfeel. And at the start of this show, I hope to wax poetic to make you a better cook in your own kitchen. Whether you love to cook or love to eat, there is some essential education in this initial conversation. And I think what's most important when we talk about butter, aside from the different uh, varieties that are available and how best to use it, is that butter has really come a long way. I remember many years ago as a teenager having the privilege to visit Paris for the first time. My mom took me and I remember the butter on the tray that was delivered with dinner um, being of the brand President, President, uh, the butter that was so rich and delicious in France. And I didn't want to eat it. I put it in the little plastic bag and I remember trying to hang it from the window so that I could keep it cold and bring it home with me because back in that day, I was already a food fanatic and you couldn't really get French butter that easily. Well, today you can find various varieties and flavors and exceptional qualities on the shelves at every grocery store. So here's what you need to know. There are a a variety of types of butters. The natural flavor of really any butter, in my opinion, is irreplaceable, whether you're baking a cake or sauteing vegetables. But there is a type of butter to enhance every food. Now, salted butter is the most common style of butter found in supermarkets. It has, at most, 2% salt added after the buttermilk has been drained off. I do feel, though, that there are limited opportunities for salted butter. Now, if you're buying good quality quality, European style, uh, hand, you know, crafted or cultured butter that is salted and you plan to put it out with an exceptional rosemary Parmesan bread on the dinner table. I'm fine with that. 
But when, and by the way, it's delicious and I do it too. But when you buy salted butter on a regular basis as your general butter purchase, the truth is that you are buying what is so highly preserved that it's been on the shelf or in a refrigerator or on a truck or in a warehouse for more than six months plus. And so I am not an advocate for salted butter because one, I don't like that it has such an extended shelf life. It is preserved. And two, I like to salt my dishes myself. So therefore, most professional chefs will tell you, as I use in my own kitchen, that our go-to is unsalted butter. It has no added salt. And so therefore its shelf life is lesser and therefore I can layer flavor using kosher salt uh, in my spaghetti sauce, let's call it, uh, because yes, I do start with butter and finish with butter when it comes to a great spaghetti sauce for mouthfeel, of course. Uh, but I can use kosher salt as I saute the onions and the garlic and then once I add the tomatoes and all that goodness layers depth of flavor, then I might finish with flake salt on a dish. But the butter I'm using... No, that's neutral. That has no salt. And there are reduced and low salt butters on the market. They have about half the salt you'd expect in regular salted butter. And if that's your preference, I very much respect that. Now, European butter is made more slowly than other store-bought butters. So the cream has time to develop in flavor. It usually has a deeper yellow color. It's denser. And what sets it apart from the rest is that it has a higher fat content, usually up to about 86%, while uh, the other butters hover around 80%. Because it has a higher fat content, content, rather, Butter makes me excited. I get tongue-tied. It has less water, which makes it richer in flavor. It remains solid for a longer period of time as well. But you get more layers of deliciousness, especially in baked goods. So try European-style butter in a recipe you've been using regular butter, and you'll notice the difference in a pie crust right away, guaranteed. Now, cultured butter, which is also known as Danish-style butter, has a culture added to the cream before it's churned. It's kept at a controlled temperature, usually overnight, and it develops this slightly acidic flavor. There is no salt added to it. I happen to love the flavor, but I believe that it has its place, so you might consider experimenting with it. It comes salted and unsalted, in fact. Um, the cultured salted butter is typically Australian, not European. And then there is clarified butter or ghee in the Indian food culture, which I love. And it is almost pure milk fat. It's used mainly in cooking because it reaches much higher temperatures before it begins to smoke or brown. And there's almost no moisture to cause spattering. And you can buy it in a tub now made for you. You can also clarify butter yourself by simply simmering away the water and separating the milk solids from the liquid. Um, This is how one makes brown butter if you raise the heat. And of course, you know um, from my tremendous passion for the one ingredient magic wonder that brown butter makes everything better. Maybe you want to make your own butter. This is a really fun project for a Sunday. You put a pint of heavy whipping cream into your electric mixer and you just go too long. It's like when you took an extra couple sips of wine while making whipped cream. 
and oops, the cream will first turn into whipped cream. And if you keep the process going anywhere from about five to eight, sometimes it takes a little longer, 10 minutes, uh, you separate the butter fat from the liquid. And once the butter has solidifies, solidified, you pour off the buttermilk, you save that for baking, and you scoop the butter into a bowl and you cover it with very cold water. And then you continue rinsing it with cold water until the water runs clear. This is how you get purer flavor. Um, You discard the liquid every time, by the way, because it's the sourness that we're getting rid of. And there you have it. You have old-fashioned churned butter with the help of an electric mixer. And then you spread it on every piece of toast or corn on the cob or baked potato that you can find. And if you'd like to make butter at home... You can always email me for the written recipe, jamie at chefjamie.com. We'll get you to me, J-A-M-I-E, in both places. Or you can search at chefjamie.com. But I would love to dish with you. Okay, it's time for some food news that you can use this Sunday. What a great story this is, right? The idea is uh, making its way to us here in the U.S. coming up next month, February. But... It is already present in the United Kingdom. Thank you, Tasting Table, for sharing it. While most vending machines are more than happy to uh, feed your obsessions, right? There are vending machines in the UK right now that are uh, spitting out chilled beverages, but they're giving back as well. It's been two years in the making, and there's this wonderful way to sort of get and give at the same time. It's a 24-7 machine with a key card that you get through the partner organization. So when you use your card to buy whatever it is from that vending machine, the charity of choice that you chose to buy the card from actually benefits. And I think it's brilliant. I mean, what could be better than a vending machine everywhere that pays it forward? Well, you can watch for uh, this new vending machine that uh, will give free food and supplies and more to the homeless and those in need and whomever you choose. Um, Just check the hallways and corridors near you coming up next month. That's right. They will be here. And so you heard it here. And that does make great dinner party conversation, don't you think? And then, of course, you shouldn't touch your dial because there is so much more delicious conversation coming up. Alex Lewin is well-known for his phenomenal fermenting. And if you love everything fermented or you know the virtues and the benefits of probiotics, well, then you should be fermenting at home. And it's for more than just pickles. Why not drink your probiotic? We are making kombucha and kefir and more at home. So cheers to that. Alex Lewin comes up next. Plus, before the end of the hour, fitness guru Lisa Lin has three things to jumpstart your body in 2018, and you wouldn't want to miss it. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, and there is more delicious conversation right after this. This is where informative, entertaining, and delicious culinary information abounds. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. 
Fermented foods have no doubt taken the world by storm, and the research continues to suggest that everything fermented improves our digestion and strengthens our immune systems. So think kombucha and kefir and real ginger ale, yum, and consider that with just a few ingredients and materials, you can start brewing your own delicious fermented beverages at home. Alex Lewin is a graduate of Harvard, the Cambridge School of Culinary Arts, and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. He leads fermentation classes across the country, and his second book has just been released to the delight of fermented addicts everywhere. It's entitled Kombucha, Kefir, and Beyond, a fun and flavorful guide to making your own probiotic beverages, and it is packed with innovative drink recipes from healthy homemade sodas to traditional ciders that you can make in your own kitchen. And so Alex has dropped by to enlighten us, and I'm very glad to have you. Welcome. Um, thrilled to be here, Jamie. Oh, thank, thank you. you. For yes, the, of course. A glowing intro. <laughs> yes, and well-deserved. Um, this second book is really fabulous and, and intriguing to me and uh, made me drool on the pages a little bit. Uh, but for beginning, beginner fermenters, I should say, that which I am one of, can we discuss the basics, please? Like fermentation by definition. Um, first, I'll say I'm glad we went with the semi-glossy pages. Oh, yes, I'm grateful. Thank you. <laughs> Fermentation, there, there are a lot of different possible definitions for it, but mm-hmm. the, in this particular culinary context, I think the easiest one is transformation of food via the action of microbes, and in particular, favorable transformation of food, or at least non-toxic transformation of food um, into something at least as edible. Um, mm. And, you know, there are a number of reasons we might want to do this. Historically, people fermented as a way of preserving. Um, before there were refrigerators and freezers, the big white rectangles for food <laughs> preserving, because that's yes. what they do, um, fermenting was um, even more important than it is now. But um, So that's, that's step one of the definition. Yes, and I will tell you, I mean, I was delighted to learn the recipes, and I can't wait to attempt them, but I was very thrilled to read Uh, on page 34, that you can make fermented drinks without an advanced degree in biochemistry or microbiology. (laughs) Did I say that? Yes, you did, actually. No, and and I think that sort of brings it home, uh, really, because we should be eating and drinking fermented everything. And to be able to, you know, master the method at home and really... Uh, create divine combinations that please our own palates, that's very appealing to me. Yes, well, we may all be eating and drinking more fermented things than we're aware of, because a lot of everyone's favorite things are fermented, like wine and beer are, um, and uh, hard apple cider and mead. Those are maybe people who are aware that those are fermented, but things like olives and coffee and chocolate and, of course, cheese and bread, like a lot of our favorites, actually are fermented already. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is more, it's not like fermenting is this new trend that's suddenly taking off, but it's, it's something we're remembering as a, as a culture and as a, as a species, yes. hopefully. And as the, um, the studies and the information continues to release about the benefits of fermented foods on the body, 
I love this idea that you uh, have written an entire book about fermented foods in liquid form. So those things that we can drink and consume so easily really do benefit us. What do we need to ferment drinks at home? Give us the basics, please. We even, if I can um, massage your question a little bit and and, uh, modify it to say, how do we make fermented drinks at home? Yes. Um, The easiest way is to start with something that's already fermented, Hmm. like yogurt. And so the, the lassi recipe in the cookbook is you take some yogurt, you add some water and ice, you add some mango puree if you want, or, you know, some, some uh, spices if you want a savory lassi. You put it in a jar and shake it for 10 seconds until it's foamy. And um, you have a fermented drink then. Hmm. Um, you know, maybe you bought the yogurt so you didn't have to ferment it yourself, but your stomach doesn't necessarily know the difference so that's there's a a section on fermented drinks you can make in five minutes just because uh not everyone has the time or the patience or maybe you're traveling or maybe you're in your office or something like that so the easiest quickest entree to fermented drinks is uh the the shortcuts like that and like um there's a, a drink made with vinegar called switchel uh, and vinegar drinks have a long and storied history dating back to ancient Greece or, or beyond. Um, but if you start with raw, unfiltered uh, vinegar, then you have your live probiotic fermented drink right there, and all you need to do is buy a bottle of vinegar. So that's the, the easiest way to get a fermented drink. But I would say the next easiest way, um, it depends which way you're leaning, if you like vegetable drinks and beets, if you're a fan of beets, people yes. seem to either like them or not like <laughs> them. If you are a fan of beets, I recommend beet kvass, which is beets cut into chunks, add uh, a bit of salt, a um, particular amount, um, add water and let it sit for a couple of weeks on your counter like that with the lid closed, and you get this fermented beet brine. Um, oh. And that's literally all there is to it. You don't need any starters you don't need any um special tools just a mason jar right do you do you drink it or cook with it or use it as a mixer um all of the above yes Uh, if you want to have it as a tonic uh beets are good for your liver according to folklore and according to science also um so you can have you know a shot of it in the morning um you can certainly put in your bloody mary you can Uh, make a borscht out of it Uh, you can use it as a base for salad dressing you can you could probably marinate meat in it although your meat would be sort of purple at that point so i'm good with that yeah Yeah, okay for sure yeah i mean the great thing about the fermented then you can take the beets that that you brined and you can do all sorts of things with them and you know they make a great base for salad dressing or soup or whatever. Congratulations to you. It's really a wonderful education. And I look forward to um, to following your lead and uh, attempting and really getting to know kombucha, kefir, and beyond at home. Uh, saying cheers never felt better because you are now <laughs> empowered to make fermented drinks at home. It is Alex Lewin's award-winning cookbook just released, his second, in fact, 
this one entitled Kombucha, Kiefer, and Beyond, and it is now available everywhere. You can follow Alex's fermented life on his blog spot at Feed Me Like You Mean It. And of course, we want to know when you make kombucha at home and how deliciously it turned out. Alex, will you come back, please? You have an open invitation, but I'd really like to continue this lesson. I would love to come back anytime, Jamie. We have a lot more to talk about. Yes, that we do. We're just sort of chipping at the iceberg here. So uh, more uh, fermentation and fermented drink conversation to be had. The author, Alex Lewin, the book, Kombucha, Kiefer, and Beyond. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with more delicious conversation right after this. Okay, prepare yourself because we're about to get fresh. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Think tasty, tangy, tart, sweet, and delicious, and you will think Melissa's Produce, providing quality produce to chefs and restaurants and markets for over 25 years now. I'm very proud and very grateful to have Melissa's as a supporter of this show since our inception 16 years ago. And everyone knows I am a big Melissa's fan. Their products, they just keep getting sweeter. And Robert Schuler is our resident produce guru and the director of all things delectable for Melissa's. He's here to increase your fruit and veggie knowledge and help us plan for a healthy, fresh, and fabulous 2018. And I'm glad to have you back. Hi, Robert. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Jamie. Thank Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Okay. Um, Let's talk trends in produce first, please, because there are some really exciting new fruits and veggies that we should all be on the lookout for. Like, I have never heard of Enjoya peppers, so would you enlighten us? Sure. Um, The Enjoya pepper is a bell pepper variety that is actually imported in from Holland. It has the colorization of both a red and a yellow. So it's a striped yellow and red uh, bell peppers. You'll find them in the bell pepper section now, and they just, they look, they look like they're actually fake. They're so beautiful. Right. And if you like red bell peppers and yellow bell peppers, I you do. have the best of both worlds all in one pepper. Oh, that's brilliant. Like striated, gorgeous tie-dye peppers. I know what you're speaking of. Yes. Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, Indian eggplant. Um, something to be on the lookout for. Yes, the Indian eggplant, it basically looks like a miniature size of a globe. We're talking about the size of a golf ball. It's purple in color. The neat thing is, is that these, in, these small Indian eggplants, the entire fruit, because botanically it's a fruit, mm-hmm. is completely edible. Just like Japanese eggplant and Chinese eggplant, mm. the small size eggplant has a totally edible skin. So in comparison to the the globe eggplant, which is your common eggplant, it's a shorter cooking time. You don't have to peel it Mm. and it's very easy to use. Okay. So wash it off and take off the stem, which is the calyx. Right. So I want to roast 
those Indian eggplant, right? And then deglaze with balsamic and pomegranate molasses and make some rich, delicious, you know, side dish of, of uh, Asian-inspired eggplant, maybe. Definitely. And the, the, neat, the neat thing is it's small size, so you haven't made a big commitment, especially right. <laughs> if you're a small household or one or two people, yes. that you would just need a, just a few Indian eggplants to make a, a, a side meal or a meal with it. Yeah, so smart. Um, red Napa cabbage is coming? Red Napa cabbage is a new cabbage variety. It looks exactly like the Chinese Napa cabbage you're used to, but it has a purplish red colorization on the outside, very similar to that of like radicchio. Hmm. Um, It cooks and keeps its color, and it's a great alternative color uh, to the common Napa cabbage that you're used to. Very similar to... which you have is the green, the common green cabbage and the red cabbage. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, natural color for cabbage is uh, both the green common and the red color. How interesting, because that red or purple um, is very much considered, we know, a, a healthy color, as they call it, right? We need to incorporate more of those uh, purple foods into our diet. And I love the texture of Napa cabbage. So to have that combination, uh, I'm very excited about. Um, That means slaw is in our future. And then um, cruciferous vegetables. We talk a lot about their health benefits, Robert. And there's a new cauliflower on the horizon from Melissa's. Yes, the florietto, which is a flowering cauliflower. So if you can imagine a, a, a common cauliflower, except that the stalks actually take off and grow long, and what you have is, is a, a head of um, cauliflower that has sprouted. Mm. And so if you're a fan of cauliflower and if you're a fan, a, a fan of <laughs> like broccolini, yes. it looks something in between both. So if you're a cauliflower and a broccoli or broccolini fan, you would love this new variety of cauliflower that you'll find in produce departments across the country now. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so I'm roasting that too and um, maybe throwing in some crispy capers, uh, Meyer lemon vinaigrette, and uh, we have uh, cauliflower to celebrate, really. Sound good? Yeah, definitely. So you, it's it's hard to describe over the phone the Floretta cauliflower, which is a flowering variety. But if you go to our website, melissas.com, you would better understand what I'm trying to describe here. It's okay. very unusual uh, for a cauliflower variety. Oh, good. We're going to look for it. And then um, there are a couple of exciting uh, new options on the horizon of ingredients or produce specifically that we've come to know and love. So you're bringing in fresh goji berries, which is really the first we've heard of it, right? Only knowing the dried version, um, but celebrating its uh, wonderful, beautiful benefits as a superfood. The goji berry has always been available to us over the last decade as a high antioxidant fruit. However, the only way you were able to get it is dried. Well, this past year, uh, we were able to now get our hands on, we grow domestically here in California, fresh goji berries in Northern California. 
And um, right now we're not in the season, but the season will start back up in the spring, April or May, mm-hmm. and you can try them fresh for the first time. Oh, cool. And they're, they're delicious, they're hard to find, um, and it's something to try for those who love to try new produce and fruit options. Yes, to be in the know, of course. Um, let's talk potatoes, please, because the varieties from Melissa's are ever-growing, and you know that Melissa's Dutch yellow potatoes delight me, the baby ones, just simply roasted or steamed, um, or I love them most smashed, where I steam them and then smash them down with the palm of my hand and then crisp them in good quality olive oil and finish them with lemon zest and chopped parsley and sometimes some red pepper flakes and they're just the best of every world. Um, But there are a few different potato uh, varieties from Melissa's that are available year-round that I think we really need to spend more time giving love to. When I do my annual trends, Mm -hmm. I've noted that the peewee-sized potatoes have uh, been a huge uh, trend in the United States. Um, This is for uh, the peewee Dutch yellow potatoes, the peewee gemstone potatoes, and the peewee red uh, ruby gold potatoes. Now, these are potatoes, when I say peewee, they're the smallest size potato you can get. They're basically bite-sized. So when you buy these peewee potatoes, Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to cut them, um, and they cook fastest than any other variety because of the size. The size is bigger than a marble, uh, but smaller than a golf ball. A golf ball would be about the size of a regular baby potato, but the gemstones are about a quarter the size of a golf ball. So they're small. You don't have to cut them. You just take them out of the package and enjoy. The Dutch yellow potato peewee ones are gold on the outside and gold on the inside. The ruby gold, uh, gold potatoes are red on the outside and gold on the inside. And then the gemstones are a mixture of the gold, the red, uh, and purple varieties as well. So yes. they're purple on the outside and purple on the inside, and it mixes the gemstone to have a mix of the gold, the red, and the purple all together in one package. Yeah, lot, lots of really wonderful inspiration there. And at chefjamie.com, you will find my weekly Melissa's Produce Pick, so you're always sure what's in season. You'll also find a link to the Melissa's website full of really resourceful fruit and veggie information. And so you can check it out at melissas.com as well. Robert, always a pleasure. Thank you for keeping us on the up and up as the fabulous food in your radio continues. Stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen here. We'll be right back. Feeding your soul every Sunday, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Yes, the whizzing sound you hear is the stationary bike of our resident fitness expert, Lisa Lynn. What a way to kickstart 2018. Change your office chair. Lisa Lynn is the founder of Lynn Fit Nutrition and the author of the award-winning The Metabolism Solution. She created the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Metabolic Boosting Weight Loss System, 
and you see her on Dr. Oz and every morning show across the country sharing her insight and her workouts. And I'm always thrilled when she stops by to whip us back into shape for a phenomenal start to 2018. Hi, Lise. Hello. Hello. We should share with them why I'm on the bike. You okay. know, the real reason. The real reason is so that you can put a Tootsie Roll in your pocket later. Yes! yes. <laughs> that motivates more than food. And that's one of the things I always say I love about you is that I have a dear trainer friend who loves to eat. I live for it. I know it's not supposed to be that way, but I realized early on, even when I lost weight, that that never really goes away. You just change what's on the other end of the fork. So you balance it better, a little bit healthier food with the larger expenses. Yes, and you do believe in everything in moderation because you and I agree. If you keep chocolate cake from me for too long, I will eat the entire thing. But if you give me a bite or two, that's my three-bite limit. We talk about that. Then you satiate your soul enough to move on to the, you know, meatless Monday meal. Yeah, the people who say don't live to eat or eat, you know, they, they never really tasted good food. But when you've tasted good food, to oh, be honest, I would rather be dead than not have a little bit. Thank you. I like to say if you love to cook or love to eat, we can definitely be friends. So yeah. um, as I do you have standards, by the way, like if you have to, if I start to not fit in my, my jeans, like I'm not going to buy a new wardrobe. I know I've pushed too far. Of and course. If I can't stop and moderate a food and I have a couple, then I don't touch it at all. I go in AA with it. I call it. like bagels and pizza are my two that I just don't touch. Okay. So a good lesson. If you know your limitations, then you can uh, work around them. Yeah. You got to be really honest with yourself. Like yes. if you can't stop, you know, eating a potato chip after one or two, those of the foods that take us down and make us gain weight. The things we eat in little bite moderations, they're never our problem. Isn't that true? Okay, good reminders for 2018. And as we kick off this new year, I read in your blog, when it comes to reaching our goals, you say to think mind, mouth, muscle. (laughs) Right? Translation, mental note to my 50-year-old brain now. Yes. Because most people forget, starting with the mind, It's all about your thoughts and how you think. If you're telling yourself you can't, you can't, you'll never, which I did, by the way. I didn't believe I could lose weight. You're never going to take the steps that it requires to lose the weight in the first place. So you got to get your mind right. Yes. And we need to be conscious of our mouths and we need to focus on our muscles. So I found three things from your New Year's post that we can all do for a, a better you, right? A better us, a better me. And the first was stretching. You talk about keep staying pliable, flexible, eliminating pain. You are all about stretching, right? Yeah, and you know, the reason why it's so critical is everybody comes out of the new year, they feel horrible about all the food sins they committed, and they want to beat themselves up in the gym, and sadly, it doesn't redeem you. 90% of your weight loss comes from what you eat, not killing yourself in the gym, and then they get hurt, and the one thing that's always overlooked is stretching the body, which is a daily activity, because if you keep it pliable and in good working water, you'll never have to stop working out. 
Okay, morning or night, is there a rule? Both. Both. Okay, before you know, or after? Has different levels. Yes. I know people stretch twice a week. I have to do both. My body, once you get used to unkinking your back, if you drive a lot or you travel, you feel so good. What you find is you're kind of stretching all day throughout the day. And do you recommend stretching before and after a workout? Because I find my stretch before, let's say, my morning walk opens me up. I do that posture exercise that you teach where you put your arms out to your sides, like holding them up and you twist your thumbs back because it really opens up my chest. Then after the workout, I do the same. Yes. There's a lot of studies that say that stretching before you work out is not good because you're not warmed up, but for, you really have to do whatever your mind is calling for, like being in touch with yourself. Clearly you're not pushing a stretch that you're going to get hurt. So you're fine. And if that wakes you up and energizes your walk, that's a good thing. Lisa Lynn is dedicated to helping you get in the best shape of your life, physically, mentally, spiritually. For nearly 30 years, she's devoted her career to personal training, uh, performance nutrition, and you can get more great tips on uh, posture, belly fat, toned arms, everything that makes you feel good about you at lynnfit.com. Follow her on social at Lisa Lynn Fitness and read the blog because there is so much to learn for sure. Lisa, I'll talk to you soon. Um, I- I'm going to stretch just right now in the studio. Atta girl. Have a great day. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of insightful and informative conversation. I do hope that I satiated your appetite and that you'll tune in every Sunday and allow me to feed your soul. I will, of course, leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration. For those that know me, it is no secret that I love a good cannoli. The crisp, flaky shell and the cheesy, creamy center. And when it's done right, in Italian style, it is out of this world. So since I figure that everyone appreciates a good cannoli, if you're looking for a quick dessert for a party, or you're having a girl's night, or even a guy's night in, my cannoli dip is sure to be a hit. You'll need a large container of ricotta cheese, uh, a smaller container of mascarpone, and some powdered sugar, a little bit of heavy cream or milk, and I like mini chocolate chips. What you'll do is strain the ricotta and um, combine it with the mascarpone until it's smooth, and then mix in powdered sugar uh, until you know you taste test and it's just perfect. The mixture should taste cheesy with a hint of sweetness. I like to add a little bit of vanilla or uh, the milk there just to thin it out to that proper thick consistency. I fold in the chocolate chips and then I serve it chilled with any sort of dip carrier like graham crackers or chocolate graham crackers or scrumptious. Biscotti makes an elegant dipper. Uh, Shortbread cookies are the perfect foil as well. And I will post the recipe for my cannoli dip on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'll meet you here next Sunday. We're guaranteed there will be more fabulous food in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well.